0: A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact, and the fact is that less than one-half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed And the most wanted, a strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won. But if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer. But if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident infallible with the diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy and a gentleman, and of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary.
1: A policeman. Hmm. I cannot get enough of that. Every time I hear it, the great Paul Harvey and his rendition of a policeman. It would definitely, definitely, he put it all together and enlightened all the listeners you know it's a term that we don't use today why don't we use it well maybe it's not politically correct so forth and so forth and so forth who knows but it does tell you the definition of what a policeman is and those and that definition is still true today you know even in scripture it talks about man But it's not only referring to men, it's referring to both. But let me get off subject because I could not be any more wrong politically. So I'm just going to keep on moving. Great show for you today on accreditation and Calia. And we will um, look at the aspects of accreditation, the importance of accreditation for an agency. How does an agency benefit from accreditation, how does the police officer benefit from accreditation, and most importantly, how do citizens benefit from an agency with accreditation. Program notes, every Thursday, you will receive a new podcast from L Police Radio, and we usually uh, launch them out Wednesday evening, very late. And into Thursday morning, of course, each uh, podcast host that we utilize, iTunes, Stitcher, and so forth, have their own protocols. So by Thursday morning, everybody's already settled in on our launch. So every Thursday morning, you can tune in to lpoliceradio.com and you can hear a fresh new podcast um also we are looking at now the holiday season coming fast yeah. and approaching i can't believe we're in october already it blink, tw- blink twice and it's almost over but uh, we will run guest up until november 16th and then we'll go into the holiday season and we're going to have um segments on certain issues so we encourage you, to join the ranks, come on in, listen to El Police Radio. You're going to be enlightened, you're going to be enriched, you're going to learn something every time you listen. I used to say that when I was an instructor. There's no way you can humanly possibly sit in a chair in the middle of a training session, whether it's 8 hours or 40 hours, and get up and say, I didn't learn anything. Taxi! There's always something you can grasp from any session and expand your knowledge of whatever you're learning and of course here we're learning issues on police corrections law enforcement in general so we look forward to that i am running solo again today i asked for those that are continuously praying um for the son of my co-host mike sierra um It is a trying time, and we ask for those continued prayers. And, of course, understanding from our listeners, um, Leatherneck 7, our other broadcast, is being uh, conducted by uh, Mike Sierra. But, again, it's being done at different locations because of um, these other issues that we have. So we thank you for your understanding in that being patient, and most importantly, your prayers are so, so welcome. On other program notes, um, soon, 2018, we going to vlogging. We have a lot of announcements we're going to do as far as a training group that's being formalized. And once we finish all those small little details, and in the beginning of uh, 2018, we'll make those announcements and, and how you can plug in and find out uh, what we're doing. So we're going to the world of vlogging now, cameras, and all that other good stuff. And, and how do you deal with all that? Social media. Boy, talk about a mess. But we'll figure it out. We'll hit the right buttons and we'll keep on moving as fast as we can. A lot of issues, always current events are out there. Public still scratching its head on what in the world occurred in Las Vegas. I've said it in other shows, and I'll say it again. It's amazing to me how the media come on and they're experts in everything. Uh, What are you talking about? The budget? Federal budget? Oh, I'm... Expert in that. Uh, what are you talking about? War? Oh, I know military affairs. Expert on that. Well, what's the issue? Whatever the issue is, they are experts in it. And now, who in the hell would know that the media are experts in shootings? Who would have known? You know, folks... I can't encourage you enough. Kind of tune out to some of the garbage that you're listening to, the mixed messages and so forth. You know, it is, as as any investigation, it, it's being put together, and you're not going to get things as fast as hitting a button like on a social media with an answer. So it takes time. You reserve judgment. But when you see the media just slaughter, slaughter a story for their own personal gain, and they just you know, off and rapping and talking, and uh, I can't even begin to start, and 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 some of these issues with rifles, bump starts. We'll leave it at that. We have more shows on those things, so stay tuned. We only talk about the facts. And we don't come up with other issues. Elpoliceradio.com. Um, you can always plug in there, get tuned in, find out what's going on, and we can always uh, educate you on current events. Every Thursday, don't forget. Our guest that's coming on uh, on the show Vince D'Arrow, he's going to basically discuss to us a forum of accreditation and the importance of it. You know, I learned about accreditation as uh, very young, very early into my law enforcement days. And what I discovered, how I discovered a CALEA specifically was through a sticker on a Police car. As I saw the police car drive away, I said, What in the world is that? And then I saw the strange acronym on the side saying CALIA. And, you know, there wasn't uh, fast Google access to things, but I educated myself and found out what that accreditation standard was. So through a relationship that I had with Deputy Director of the Metro-Dade Police Department, that's how long ago that was, Eddie Gonzalez. He later went on to become Chief of Police for the Tampa Police Department for about two or three years, and then after that he became a United States Marshal under uh, President Clinton, and I believe had uh, 29 years of service for Metro-Dade Police Department. Well, after his law enforcement career, he became a I believe it was a commissioner for a CALEA. And I saw him at at a conference. And um, I asked him what he was doing. And he said, uh, I've got this uh, gig with uh, accreditation with Kalia," But I had educated myself prior to that in my career, so I knew what a KALIA was. So it's always important to educate yourself. We're going to learn the aspects of accreditation, and what I want our listeners to kind of gather from this interview is how entailed everything is in a law enforcement agency and how they're scrutinized by their own industry. And who are these individuals that created Calia and that have these accreditation standards? So I'm ready to learn if you are. Let's bring our guest on and get some knowledge. And I want to welcome our guest, Vincent Darrow, from... Uh, Kalia, that's going to come on and explain everything there is about accreditation and the importance of it. But before we get into that segment, I want my guest to go ahead and introduce himself to our listeners.
2: Great. My name, of course, is Vince Darrow. I'm a regional program manager for the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies. Uh, prior to that, I was a sworn officer for about 35 years, so I'm an old guy, um, and I do this now from my home, trying to help agencies be the best they can be.
1: And we thank you for your service in police service, 35 years, and especially the service that you're doing now, which is just as important. Vince, before we get started, we have this funny little segment that we do. It's called The Fantastic Five. It's five questions, and I'm going to shoot at you in rapid succession and whatever comes off the top of your head. And Okay. And we'll see how that works, and you know, we'll let the, the audience know, hey, we're actually talking to a human being. That's the purpose of it. So here we go. Right. Question number one, favorite superhero?
2: Uh, that would be Superman. He's just the basic, good kind of guy.
1: He, he really is. Second question, your first car. Oh, a
2: 1964 Ford Custom 500 with no power brakes, no power windows, no power steering and a and, little V8
1: engine. And we've dated you based on your first car. Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, favorite sport.
2: Uh, that'd be college football. Oh,
1: okay. And favorite team.
2: Uh, Alabama.
1: Okay, now it's getting now it's getting good. And your last you see. Your last question. Here we go. Favorite movie of all time.
2: That that would be the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. That was dates me as well too. It's a great movie.
1: That was a great movie. I, I, unfortunately, you know the sad part is that for today's society, it might not go well. But I remember as a kid, I was you know a small child. My parents taking me to go see that in the movie theater, and it was like amazing. It was amazing. Right. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes here uh, on accreditation. And my experience with accreditation is, you know, I I was young, um, probably my 24, 25 years old, somewhere in that area. And I saw a police vehicle from another agency and I noticed a sticker on it. I said, What in the world is that? And I was introduced to Kalia. So, of course, in law enforcement circles, we know the importance of accreditation and, of course, of Korea, But for our listeners, can you give us just a brief overview of accreditation?
2: Okay. Well, accreditation is, is not just a law enforcement, of course. You have hospitals and, and especially educational institutions that have had accreditation programs for a while. And what the programs do is they set a basic set of standards that the professional organization must meet. Now, this generally is volunteering, but you actually take a look at the standards, see how your operations are going, and see whether they meet the standards, and then you have an outside group come in and review to ensure that you're doing that. And and that's what all accreditation programs do, whether they're in the medical field or or engineering, this type. Mm -hmm. That's what it is, really, is to raise your level of operation up to the professional level that your your group wants to attain.
1: Now, Kalia, how was it formulated and and when?
2: Okay. in In the late 60s and early 70s, there was a really big time of strife in law enforcement. And we found out then that there were really no standards nationwide. So the Department of Justice put a grant together to the four founding agencies of CLEA, and that's the National Sheriff's Association, the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, and the Police Executive Research Forum. Now, what they did is they said, okay, let's do a grant and let's see how we can do this. Well, they got together and did a lot of study, and they said, listen, we need an outside independent group to do this. Mm-hmm. So CALEO was formed in 1979. It's a 501c3 not-for-profit. does not get any uh, federal funds. There's no, you know, no uh, oversight by any government agency. We have an oversight group, which is our commission. But we're totally independent so that we can do reviews at the uh, – I guess at the request of my side of the agency because it's all voluntary to do. All right.
1: Now, Calia's goal towards each agency. know, the agency is going to go ahead and partner with CALIA. What? What? what uh, does it matter the size of my agency? Or is there a
2: no? It doesn't matter at all. No, uh, we understand, and the commission has this, understood this for a while that. A smaller agency generally has uh, smaller roles and responsibilities. So the larger your agency gets, the more standards that will apply to you, the more things that you should have in place. And, and I use, for example, uh, communication among um, agency personnel. If you only have five personnel, generally the communication is is informal. You see each other a lot. Well, if you have ten precincts, the communication is going to have to be more structured. You're going to have to have more places in place to use emails or to use memos to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So there's differences from the size. I think the smallest that I know of right now that's accredited is a seven-person agency. Wow. And, of course, the largest is a California Highway Patrol with over 10,000. That's
1: amazing. Now, you know, I, I know it's a 501c3, which is, of course, nonprofit, and there's a fee. And probably the fee... Pennies on the dollar compared to what they're going to achieve with accreditation and clear accreditation. Um, Why should an agency consider accreditation if they haven't already?
2: Right. Uh, Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is it gives you a framework. For managing your agency, especially if you're a CEO, you're a chief or a sheriff or a director, that it puts policies and procedures in place that make sure that the information flows up to you as the CEO to make good reason decisions on how to operate your agency. Um, with that comes a lowering of liability. We are seeing in the federal courts that the federal court system is recognizing Calia accredited agencies when they're giving summary judgments um, because they know that use of force training is required. It's required every year. It's required by a certified instructor, and you have to prove every year that you're doing it. So the courts have recognized that when you're taking that much time and training on the high liability, you're documenting it, you're making sure it's right, then you're doing the right thing for the right reason. So that lowers the liability. Um, there are some states in, in the country that uh, their insurance pools give a discount for accredited agencies. Uh, there's one state, I can't remember the name of it right now, which one, but it's up in the Northeast, that the insurance companies actually pay the fees to continue accreditation because it lowers the liability so much.
1: Yeah, it's well worth their while. But, uh, the deal.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it is, and, and that's important to me as a former sworn officer, when I can see a A judgment in an officer involved shooting, especially like in a federal 1983 lawsuit for an officer death, officer caused death, that they're saying, yes, you know, it's a bad thing, but you're doing the right thing for the right reason, you're trained properly, and this is just one of those things that happened, and there's no liability for the officer involved. That's
1: great. uh, Kalia, what kind of uh, accreditations do they provide other than law enforcement? And try to give us a little bit of a briefing on each area.
2: Okay. Well, we have four, four basic programs. First, law enforcement, we have two tiers. We have a basic accreditation, which is the core standards that uh, that every agency needs to do for uh, liability, use of force training, that type, and personnel matters. And then we also have an advanced uh, level that goes into all aspects. Now currently the, uh, the basic is 182 standards I believe and then the advanced is 460. And of course see by the numbers there's a lot more. The Advanced actually goes in everything from you know, uh, reflective markings on your cars all the way to do you give receipts when people buy a report from the records division you track that money and how it goes? So, so there's a lot in that. Now, the second program is public safety communications, and it's tailored for standalone um, communication centers or communication functions within agencies. A lot of the larger agencies have their own communications. And it's a partnership we have with APCO, uh, the, the communications group. They, they've helped us out with that a lot. Our third one is the Public Safety Training Academy, and we accredit uh, standalone and state function uh, training academies, as well as training academies that are uh, owned and operated by larger agencies. And then our newest one is campus security, which is for a generally non-sworn campus police. Um, a university police that is a sworn police function can be in the law enforcement program, but if you're not sworn police function, you're just a security. Then we have the campus security program for you that tailors the standards to best practices in that field it's that's amazing. before we have
1: it's amazing the the, the the different elements that Kalia has and how it how it kind of accredits agencies all the way around training being very key very important Vince a, a question obviously there is an accreditation process so there's a verification process and in that verification process, I'm, I'm assuming Kaliar meets with the executives of these agencies, sits down, sit down with them, and kind of tells them what's going right and what's going wrong. Correct?
2: That that's correct. Now we we actually send in uh, a team of assessors. Um, of course, we look at all the paperwork that's generated because, as you know, any process for professionalism is going to have paperwork. So we look at all the policies, procedures how they meet with the standards, and then we send in actual bodies of practitioners to verify that you're not only saying you're doing it, but you are doing it. And they verify that by meeting with the CEOs, meeting with members of the community, actually sitting down beside a dispatcher and listening as they handle calls, going out in a car with a patrol officer and watching how they perform their duties, whether they're performing them up to standard, how they treat the community. And in part of that, we have a public hearing each time where people are asked in the community, please come tell us what you think of your department, what you think of your agency, and is it meeting standards? So we get input from all over to do that, and it's a continuous process. Once you achieve your initial accreditation, we do uh, electronic reviews of the paperwork every year, And then at the end of a four-year cycle, we send in another team to re-verify that everything's still working uh, because the rubber meets the road, you might say.
1: Now, I'm assuming that the executives of these agencies on the issues that go wrong, sometimes it's a shock, and that's why the importance of accreditation, like you said earlier, an independent review of an agency. And uh, I remember... Uh, a former chief in my agency that used to say, you know, just because I'm a chief doesn't mean I know what's going on in my agency, because the higher you up, sometimes you're, you don't know what's happening below, and, or it takes time right. to figure out what's going on below. So, if l- let's say um my agency has an area that it needs improvement, how can Kalia assist that agency in correcting? that
2: deficiency? Okay, well first, the, the, the standards are always under review by our commission to make sure that as um, you know, I just use the United States as, as an example, The if the federal law changes as the Supreme Court comes out with a, with a ruling that affects use of force policy, then we make sure that our standard meets that current. And we provide that, of course, to all Korea agencies so they don't have to do the I guess the background and the and the legal work on some of that stuff, we do it for them. Um, because they're always evolving with best practices, then there's a, a network of, of a thousand agencies in the country that share this information if If you have a policy say on the new thing is on uh, body cameras, um, there are many, many agencies that are doing implementation of body cameras, doing a policy on how they're stored, when they're turned on, when they can be released to the media. And if you need a, a model policy, there's always a CALEA agency that has one that will be glad to share it with you. So you can take a look at what's being done in your geographical area or on the other side of the country if you'd like. Um, we also have what we call police accreditation coalition, and they're generally either state or regional groups of accredited agencies and agencies that are trying to be accredited that get together and share training, share best practices, and talk about the issues that are coming so that we try to get everybody up to the highest level of professionalism we can and collaboration is a, a big key.
1: Vince, uh, my last question uh, it just pops into my head. On the commission, the individuals that are sitting on the commission, how do they get picked and are they on a rotating basis? How exactly do well, and how does an individual become a commissioner?
2: We have 21 commissioners. 11 are required to be active law enforcement. The other 10 are uh, various aspects of government. We have a, uh, a sitting uh, justice of a state Supreme Court. Uh, we've got city managers. We've got a professor in law enforcement. Um, you know, many, many types in that. The four founding agencies that I mentioned earlier, um, each of them have a, a one seat that they that they can appoint, and then all of the others are done by uh, consensus of the groups. Um, if um, we'll say we have three-year cycles that they come through, they can go for a three-year term with a maximum of three terms. So nine years is the most anyone can stay on the commission. Um, say if one is getting ready to rotate out, then the four founding agencies uh, get together and uh, nominate a person to replace. We try to keep it around the country where we have uh, input from all of the geographical areas and, of course, input from the the different functions of society and and in government. And it's really good to have, uh, and I use, for example, the Supreme Court Justice, uh, one that's currently sitting, asked me once, you know, why... Did I want his opinion on something? And it was really simple. When it when the case involving a law enforcement officer comes to you at the Supreme Court level from your state, what are you looking for as best practices that they did? So we get input not only from law enforcement practitioners, but from people within the total system as what's the best thing to do and why.
1: Fascinating, and I, and I, I learned something... Uh, today and I hope you, as the listener, if you're out there, that you've picked up some general knowledge here on Kalia and, and accreditation. Vince, I thank you for being on our show. You've been very informative. Our doors are always open to Kalia whenever they want to come on, and we thank you, as I said before, for your service and especially for your service now with Kalia.
2: Well, thank you so much. And and for your listeners, if they want any um, more information on Calia, most everything is on our website. It's uh, CALEA.org. And uh, like I said earlier, we're not for profit. All of our uh, fees and requirements and everything are on the website for everybody to see. And uh, there's program managers that would be glad to talk to anyone about their agency.
1: And we'll plug in uh, some of that website uh, that Vince mentioned on our website, helppoliceradio.com. Vince, thanks for coming on the show. God bless you, and stay safe.
2: Thank you so much. My
1: pleasure. Well, oh, don't tell me you didn't was very fascinating on the issue with uh, commissioners, how commissioners are selected in terms of how long are they in office and and so forth, and as well as the breakdown between sworn and non-sworn. So there's a lot of things that goes into accreditation, it's just not something that you pretty much pick up a pamphlet and you roll with that pamphlet and, oh, we're an accredited agency now. So there's a lot that goes into it. So I learned a lot. I looked forward to this interview in terms of segments and not interviews. And what in the world am I talking about? Well, sometimes we come on with uh, different guests and, and of course, they bring different aspects to the show. But There's a need to know more than that one show. So, for an example, if I brought in the show that we had today on accreditation, a lot of people would say, "What I want to learn more. or The show kind of fell short because I have questions or whatever the case might be. And they might have to stay tuned for a show in the future on some other aspect of accreditation. So we've reanalyzed our program segments and what we're going to do is we're going to have shows on segments such as if we have a show on accreditation, it won't be one show, it'll be a series of shows with a registered or subject matter expert in what we are basically speaking about. So We're giving and we're dedicating more time to the listener, so the listener can grasp more knowledge on that one subject. How many subjects can we come up with in law enforcement? Wow. Everything. From the shoes they wear to the guns they shoot to what we learned today on accreditation to vehicles, standards, police cameras, you name it. So we're going to look at all those things, but they're going to be done in segments. Some segments might be as short as a couple of shows. Uh, some might be as long as several, several, several shows. Whatever those several, whatever is the definition of several. Now. Oh, no. So we encourage you uh, in, in how we change this up. We know it's being changed for our listeners' benefit. On... I was, I was looking through, I always kind of go through the police media news outlet feed that we get. And, you know, you get the constant uh, police shooting, police chase, and, uh, you know, the <clears throat> protesters that are out there. and And I kind of try to navigate through all that and get away from the political aspect of what the writer of the article might be trying to reveal and stick to the law enforcement aspect. But um, you might have read it or seen it on the media, a Salt Lake City police officer out in, I believe, Utah, where he wants a nurse to perform a blood test on a suspect, that is suspected of being dui drinking under the influence or drunk under the influence and as a result there's a, an issue with policy of the hospital and the nurse has some credible questions like warrants and so forth and i and i don't really don't want to concentrate on that aspect because there are 50 states in the United States and we could be here for 50 segments listening to procedure on this one story. But what we do see here is you can't fix stupid. Listen, I understand this person is about to get charged, being charged, whatever the limbo was there, but you have to take it out on the nurse. I'm confused. I'm confused about that whole scenario and what played out. And what really troubled and bothered me the most is that the officers being filmed, recorded on cell phone in today's world, what in the hell are you thinking? Here's another thing. Does, does he, the officer, Have a supervisor? Where are they? The other thing is, if you look at the clip in question, and we'll try to post it on lpoliceradio.com, you'll see that there are officers in the exit of the hospital. I guess that's an emergency room. Towards the exit, out in the street area, you'll see a police officer standing far from the suspect officer. I wonder why. And uh, he takes her into custody, and uh, there's this drag thing, and uh, he's he's on a solo mission, nobody else, just me. This guy is brain dead. And the adage of you can't fix stupid, you know, you can fix it up, you can make it look pretty, but at the end of the day, it's still stupid. This is it. And it's a black eye in law enforcement. I recently saw an article where the officer was fired. Guys, who, who would have known they would have fired this guy? But he was fired, and uh, we'll, we'll post that article on uh, lpoliceradio.com on the blog section, and you can read it. And yeah, how do you, you can't fix stupid. So here you are. You're the agency executives, supervisor of this individual, and you're trying to figure all this out. And, you know, somebody once said to me not too long ago in regards to this incident, well, you have to realize there's political pressure. And unfortunately and sadly, yes, in today's police world and today's law enforcement world, there is political outside influence from non-sworn personnel. That's right. I said it. I finally spit it out. But it shouldn't be. And. These executives now, which are sworn, have to either justify or not justify the actions of their uh, police officer. And as we see here the, uh, in Utah, this police officer was dismissed. So that answers whether he was right or wrong. So they let him go. But uh, public uh, opinion and everything was very poor on this and um, I don't know. He felt like, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best. I don't uh, want to say anything negative about him. He, you know, it, it's done. It's a, it's a finished deal. But he, he f- seemed that he was uh, upset at the world. Something was going on. Let's close it out now with what I like to call the conversation. And when we look at standards and we look at guidelines and rules there's there's a book that has been created for each and every one of us on how we should guide ourselves in our lives the purpose of this conversation is not to judge but to point out that there's a rule book that rule book comes with 66 books inside it and it comes from our lord and savior Whatever you're going through, and I'm using this Utah uh, Salt Lake City police officer as an example, do everything the scripture says without complaining. And this guy was complaining to complain. He was outside the norms. He was swimming up a creek without a paddle. He was getting deeper and deeper in quicksand. He was drowning in the middle of a dead sea. And scripture shows you how to act, how to conduct yourself. And it's so important because in the eyes of any witness that was there, even a little witness, such as a child, the actions that they see can pretty much formulate their minds for many years to come. And when we put on a uniform, when we act in the official capacity of a law enforcement officer, as the scripture says in the book of Romans, chapter 13, all governance was established by God. We should act in fear of God. Not that God is going to punish us, but that God exists. Therefore, we work for, initially, essentially, for God. So if you're looking for more answers on Scripture, there are 66 books that I can recommend under one title, and it's called the Bible. I encourage you to look for a Bible-based church, and it can guide you through a lot of things, a lot of pressures that exist in law enforcement, a lot of ups and downs in relationships, not only on the job, but personally, and these relationships now transfer into how we conduct business. So look for the Lord for guidance. It always, always works. Last, uh, lastly, I'd like to have a little shout-out for my little sister over in the city of Miami. They got promoted from officer to sergeant in the Miami Police Department. From PIO to a blast of reality as a supervisor, I wish you the best and I bless you in Jesus' name because I don't think this is her last step. Knowing her, she's going to continue going up, folks, continue going up. Wonder Woman, I like to call her, Wonder Woman. LPoliceRadio.com. You can subscribe there. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our Twitter account. You can go to all this stuff. All you got to do is go to Google. Let's start off at Google. Punch in L Police Radio, and something's going to pop up. Once it pops up, guide yourself through there. But if you want to make life easy, LPoliceRadio.com. It's been my pleasure to be your host. Continue to listen. You're going to be fulfilled and educated. God be with you. I'm out.